Well, good morning, folks. Uh, lovely to see you all along at worship this morning. Uh, nice to see some, we're going to say old faces, but that wouldn't want to insult you by that, but nice to see some familiar faces kind of back again after a wee while away and some new faces here today joining us too. You're all very welcome. Um, if you haven't been for a while, just a few wee things you, you maybe need to know. There's a ticket in front of you in the pew. Um, if you could turn that over, that lets the cleaners know uh, which pews have been sat in this morning. That would be a real help. Um, we do operate still a one-way system, so we kind of believe by the vestry door and the collection plate is just behind me. And for now, we still have to mask up. Uh, hopefully, things are beginning to uh, free up a little bit. Um, I know that the current guidances will be able to do away with uh, social distancing before too long, hopefully. And we hope to get hospitality started up again uh, in February, so we'll be able to go for a cuppy uh, after the service. So things are, things are beginning to change, but for now, we just have to continue to thole it. Uh, for the meantime. But lovely to see you all here this morning. We're going to begin our worship in the words of him 510. Jesus calls us here to meet him. So let's worship God together. Please be seated. Let's join our hearts together in prayer and let us pray. 
God of good news and life-giving words, we praise you. Bringing in your kingdom in Jesus, you've given us a glimpse of heaven's glory here on earth. God of the poor, we praise you. Heralding an end to the cycle of want, you've given us a vision of your good gifts shared by all. God of the captive, the oppressed, we praise you. Bringing words of liberation, unlocking prison doors, you've given us a revelation of freedom in you and fullness of life. God of the poor, the oppressed, those lacking vision, forgive us when we get so caught up in bad news and doom scrolling on social media that we lose sight of the hope of your kingdom here and now. Forgive us for the times when we choose not to see the possibilities of kingdom living and for closing doors, not opening them, for shutting folk down rather than raising them up. For being more concerned with our own wee agendas and kingdoms rather than yours. For turning our ears away from the words that lead to life. Lord, may your spirit of life and liberation, power and possibility blow in us and through us. That we may proclaim the day of your favour and be bearers of your good news for all. Because we ask these things in Christ's name. And in his name we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 4, and reading verses 14 to 21. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and the report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. To bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
Amen. We're going to sing again, and it's uh, number 172, Sing for God's Glory.
Let's take a moment to pray together now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that your word is living and active. That the words of Scripture applied to our hearts by your Holy Spirit come alive within us and give us guidance and sustenance and strength for our living. And we need those words, those kind of words in these days. We're weary. We're tired. It's been a long and hard two years for all of us in many ways. So we ask that you'd help us this morning to hear your particular word to our hearts today. Help us know what you're saying and bring us the encouragement, the challenge, the strengthening that we need in our lives. For we ask it in Christ's name. Imagine being in a world where you can neither see nor hear. Helen Keller lived in that world for most of her life. Helen was born in Alabama in 1880 and she was struck down by meningitis when she was just 19 months old and the illness left her both blind and deaf. Now, if you're blind, you can communicate by talking and listening. And if you're deaf, you can learn to lip read and use sign language, and you can learn to write. But if you lack both senses, how on earth can anybody get through to you in a meaningful way? You can't see them. You can't hear them. Fortunately for Helen, a young instructor called Anne Sullivan found a way. Anne would give Helen objects to hold while at the same time spelling out their names on her other hand. And at first Helen didn't know what was going on and she just got frustrated and she would throw the objects away. But the breakthrough came one day while Anne was pouring cold water over one hand and spelling out the word water on the other. And in a flash... Helen realized that the motions that Anne was making in her hand symbolized this idea of water. And from that point on, there was no stopping her. That one spark of insight opened up the whole world of language and learning to her. And she was the first deaf-blind person to study for and to gain a university degree. And she became a tireless campaigner for the rights of women and the disabled and low-paid workers. She traveled to 35 countries. She wrote 14 books and hundreds of speeches and essays advocating for change. Helen's story reminds us just how powerful and how important words are in our lives and how much we would struggle without them. We spend a good part of our infancy learning how to name things. If she's told often enough, the toddler learns that the round thing that she likes to hold is called a ball. And then she discovers it's a green ball. Her naming takes on more precision. And then she realizes that it's good for playing with. When she says ball and looks at daddy, Sometimes he sits on the floor with her and he rolls it backwards and forwards to her and they smile and they laugh together and she's happy. 
The naming, the basic information is where we all start, but even in infancy, we learn that the power of words is in their meaning. Ball means play and fun. It sometimes means possession. My ball. Mama means cuddles and love and food and consolation. Help and plasters and skinned knees. We learn that the higher forms of language aren't so much about giving out information, but forming relationship and forming meaning. And we learn that our language is the power to move and shape the world, even as we are being shaped by the words that wash over us. The words that we listen to and the words that we internalize can have a huge influence on who we become. Because words have power. For good or for ill, I would guarantee that every one of us here carries other people's words around with us in our hearts and in our heads. I mostly enjoyed my education at school, but there were spells there that were made difficult for me by a wee band of lads who'd singled me out for their own particular brand of nastiness. And it never got physical, but the words stung quite badly at the time. But alongside that, I placed the words of my English teacher, Alma McRae, who was a wonderfully eccentric but perceptive lady who was good fun but really didn't suffer fools gladly. And in our last few days with her, in my third year of secondary school, she went around everybody in the class and she told us exactly what she thought of us, pointedly but not unkindly. And when she came to me, she said, Paul, you're the essence of a man. And straight away, one of the bullies started sniggering, ha ha, essence, ha ha. And she rounded on him and she said, Graham, if you weren't so thick, you'd realize that I've just paid him a great compliment. Now, she probably wouldn't have got away with being so direct these days. But to this day, I still think that's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. And I still remember it. 40 years later, because I needed to hear those words in that moment. Words have power. And I guess that you have your equivalents of that experience. You have words spoken into your life that have stayed with you. Things maybe that people should never have said to you. Accusations or lies or words that were just meant to belittle and tear down. But alongside those words that have affirmed you, affirmed who you are and what you're doing, and give you a sense of your place in the world and your value to it. And we need to take care which sets of words we're listening to. Because the words that we take into ourselves and internalize go a long way to forming us into the people that we become. Words shape the way that we think about ourselves. And they also shape the way that we connect with people and the world around us. Words are one of the main ways in which we human beings learn to express ourselves. It's a standing joke in our house that Mary's first word wasn't mama or dada, but calpol. 
the cowpole junkie was our Mary. And our first full sentence was, need more cake. <laughs> need more cake. Telling us what she wanted from a very early age. And from our earliest years, it's words that we use to try and express what we're thinking and feeling and what it is that we really want. And those who are especially gifted with language are able to point beyond the immediate and use words to clothe ideas in, to express the inexpressible, and put a name to feelings or desires that we couldn't otherwise describe. And that's why the poets and the authors and the songwriters are important people to have around. Because often they take the things that we're feeling and articulate them for the rest of us who just would struggle to find the right words. And maybe that's why some words touch us very deeply at times. Why the lyrics of a particular song stick in our heads, or the words of a poem, or the words that somebody said that were exactly what we needed to hear at that particular moment. Like a compass needle turning north, we turn to the truth that their words have captured, and we know it to be a true north in our lives, a true word that's spoken for us. And if we're people of faith, we might even feel that that truth in some way is God getting through to us, God showing us or telling us something that we need to know and listen to about our own lives. So language at its most foundational isn't just about communicating facts. It's about forming relationship and forming meaning, coming to meaning and understanding the meaning of our lives. And the core of what I've been trying to preach at Bolhelvi these last 17 years is that more than anything, God wants to draw us into relationship with himself, to help us find coherence and purpose in our lives. And I believe that if we listen well to our lives, to the voices around us and within us, we will hear the still small voice of God through all of it, telling us the things that we most need to hear. Now come back with me almost 2,000 years. Jesus is standing in the synagogue in Nazareth and all the eyes are fastened upon him. He's just read a passage from the Scriptures from the book of the prophet Isaiah. It was written about seven centuries before his time, but he has allowed those words to seep into his being and become a part of his self-understanding. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and announce that the time has come when the Lord will save his people. What I want you to realize this morning is that Jesus wasn't born with those words on his lips or even, I think, in his consciousness. He had to grow into them. He had to receive them for himself and come to an understanding of what God wanted for his life. It took time and prayer and dedication. It took what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. 
We often think that Jesus being God's son had a shortcut through all of that stuff. But to think that is to misunderstand the nature of his being. Jesus' divinity didn't obliterate or sideline his humanity. He was like us in every way the scriptures say. And that means that he had to grow and learn and question just as we do as he came to understand the truth. Jesus came to understand himself and his role in exactly the same way as Christians do today, at least practicing Christians. Through prayer, through reading, through reflection, in community, in worship, and in service. Jesus became who he was by being open to what God was saying to him in all those different ways, in all those different places, and allowing that truth to form his understanding of who he was and of what the world was. My argument this morning is simple. It's that the words that we absorb in our lives, really absorb, are powerful because they form us, they shape us. So what words are you filling your life with today? What words are you taking in and allowing to form yourself? There are so many words all the time echoing around in the caverns of our souls. Some are louder than others. Some are life-giving and some are soul-destroying, but they all have power, and if we let them, they can set the trajectory for our whole lives. But my advice this morning is that in order to, to, to order those different voices within us, those different words, we need exposure to another word, the Word of God who will make sense of them. The Word of God who comes to us in so many different ways in our lives. God's living Word meets us where we are and helps us to see things how they are. His Word is a Word that reveals truth to us that we wouldn't otherwise have known or understood. And we need to hear those words for ourselves. Nobody else can do that work for us. And we need to hear them often. However helpful Sunday services may or may not be, listening to a sermon can never be a substitute for encountering God in the stuff of your everyday life. Reading, praying, reflecting, listening hard to try and discern what God's saying to you at this particular time in these particular circumstances. Sifting your experience for truth like prospectors panning for gold. That's how we grow as disciples. By holding on to the insight that God's Spirit brings as we listen for His Word in the everyday stuff of our lives. COVID, boredom, stress, loves, sorrows, hopes, disappointments, aspirations. To walk the way of faith is to be open to what God is saying to us in the middle of all the stuff that happens on life's journey. And we need to be intentional about listening for what it is God wants us to hear because if we don't listen and we don't learn, we don't grow. 
We don't change. We don't mature. It really is as simple as that. The words that we absorb, the stories that we come to believe about ourselves and others and the world and God shape the way we live profoundly. They have real power over us. So my question this morning to all of us is what words are shaping the story that you're living? Are they hopeful words or are they disheartening words? Are they fearful words or are they trusting words? Are they healing words or are they wounding words? Are they good words, God's words? Or are they corrosive words that eat away at your heart and your hope and your happiness? We began this morning by remembering that words are powerful because they shape our lives. And we remembered the amazing story of how with Anne Sullivan's help, Helen Keller came to understand the significance of words by having cold water poured on one hand as Anne signed out the letters in the other. Well, life keeps pouring out on us all the time. A constant flow of experience that at times we find hard to process. Not least in these confusing and disappointing days that we're living through. So may God take our hands and bring us the insight that helps us to find peace and meaning in it all. Bringing us into the community of Father, Son, and Spirit. Bringing us into the community of His people. And bringing us the life-giving words that we most need to hear. Caroline's going to come now and lead us in our prayers for others. Let us pray. <clears throat> Loving Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for the many blessings you freely bestow upon us, not because we deserve them, but because of your bountiful grace. We thank you for your love and for the love of family and friends. We thank you for your gift of creation and the bounty of your provision. And we thank you for your words to us, whether from your holy scriptures or through prayer, study and fellowship with others. We ask for wisdom in our understanding of the words we hear, including the words that are hard to accept so that we may use them to grow in our lives in Christ. We pray also that you would make us more aware of the impact of our words on others. A kind word can make someone stay special, whereas a harsh word can stay with them for longer than we might imagine. Help us to learn to be still and to listen, so that we may better discern what your words are saying to us. Lord, we remember today those who are sick, sad, lonely, bereaved, or struggling with daily life. 
We ask that they would know the comfort of your love and peace and the support of others. Help us appreciate the many blessings we enjoy, including education for all, regardless of gender, ethnicity or ability to pay. We pray for resilience for young people whose education has been disrupted by the pandemic and for their teachers and lecturers that all would receive appropriate support. We remember those who struggle to make ends meet, whether through lack of employment, inability to work due to ill health or caring responsibilities, or rising prices, especially with regards to energy costs. Father, we ask for wisdom for leaders and decision makers worldwide to take positive action with regards to the climate crisis and that they would take appropriate measures to address fuel poverty. We pray for countries where there is conflict, catastrophe, suffering and unrest and pray especially for the situation in Ukraine, Afghanistan, Sudan, Yemen, Myanmar and Tonga. Lord, we praise and thank you for all those who give of their time, talents and money to help others, whether here at home or abroad. We thank you for the success of the vaccination programme here and the gradual lifting of restrictions. But we pray for vaccinations to be made more freely available to those in poorer countries. We think of the many charities, carers and volunteers who make a massive difference in countless lives as well as those among us who regularly carry out the regular tasks of keeping our church operating. And we especially ask you to bless Paul in his ministry to us in these difficult times. We pray that we would be filled with a spirit of hope and confidence for the future and a joy to share your good news with others. But we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Thanks, Caroline. We're going to close our worship now in the words of uh, hymn number 606. Lord, you sometimes speak in wonders.
Now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore.